The call for proposals for Voice Summit 2020 is available now. Having the opportunity to speak at Voice Summit will be highly competitive this year. So if you'd like the chance to be a speaker at this year's event, fill out the form at voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Proposals are only open until January 31st, so be sure to get yours in now. That's voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Security is a concern among consumers when it comes to voice. On this episode, Matt Valancourt, the Senior Director of Business Sales at D-Link, who has been working in the security space for many years, talks about actionable steps consumers and developers can take to make voice tech safe and secure. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Kerry Roberts. And today we are talking about voice tech security with Matt Valancourt, the Senior Director of Business Sales at D-Link. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Kerry. So let's start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself, why you love security, why you got into it, and what you do. Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I I do work for D-Link Systems. We make uh, enterprise backbone infrastructure, but I think more likely your listeners are probably more familiar with us than our routers and smart home products like Wi-Fi plugs, water sensors, cameras, things along those lines. I've been involved in physical and cybersecurity as an avid watcher and uh, an active participant for 10 years now, but it's, it's always been an interest and a focus of mine when it comes to developing new technologies and things along those lines. I always tell people that uh, everything ever made was made with good intentions, at least most of the time, whether it's technology or not, but inevitably, you know, these things are going to be exploited for bad. You know, big example is cars. Vehicles, you know, they were intended as a mode of fast and safe transportation. For the most part, they are, but a lot of times they're used for bad things, you know, like a quick getaway vehicle from a bank robbery or things along those lines, right? It it wasn't an intended use. And I think that's really a message I want to help convey to your, you know, your developers and, and even the consumers out there today when creating and using voice product is, well, you can't really engineer a car to stop someone from robbing a bank with it. With voice and the products and the software that goes along with it, you can create a little more defined rules and build in a little more extra security. So always thinking, how could someone exploit this product or service? And what can I do to anticipate or prevent it is really my de facto key point, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. And so I want to start from a consumer standpoint first. Because a lot of consumers are concerned about security when it comes to voice technology. They feel like anything they say on the device is getting picked up and stored somewhere. And in some cases, we've seen in the news that this has actually happened. So how do you suggest consumers be more secure when it comes to using smart speakers and voice devices? Maybe what are some do's and don'ts? So... Do's and don'ts on the consumer side. I think um, first and foremost is changing your wake command to a word that can't be commonly mistaken or commonly guessed. You know, voice devices are typically always listening for a predefined command word. And if it thinks it's heard that word, it will start actively listening and in most cases recording. So to keep unintended recording from happening, if you want to uh, see some examples of how this works, you know, open up your Alexa app if, if you're an Alexa user today on your phone and just navigate to the account section. Look at the history. You'll see the last 30 days, what your device woke to and what it recorded. You can actually listen to the recording. 
And I'm sure everyone who does this is probably going to find a file in there where, you know, it's not their kid asking how to spell a word or how to cheat on their, their homework. It's probably just some background noise or gibberish or the TV or something like that because this is the, the pod thought it heard the wake command. So it woke up and it started recording, listening for a direction. So if you make that a less common word or a word that doesn't have a lot of rhyme partners to it, you're going to be able to prevent that from happening a lot more often. I would definitely, though it's easy to remember, I would definitely advise not using Alexa. For you Star Trek fans, don't use computer in words like that because not only are they fairly common and have a lot of rhyme schemes to them, but they also are easily guessed. So think of uh, more syllables and words are better, right? Like, uh, you know, petunia or things along those lines where there's a certain amount of enunciation that goes into the word itself. And obviously personalize it to yourself and what you like and things along those lines. So when you say that's the wake word, you know, a lot of people do have an Alexa, but there's obviously Google Assistant, Bixby, Siri, Cortana. Can you change it to not say Alexa? Can You can actually change the wake word? For Alexa devices, yes. For some other devices, you can't, unfortunately. And the developers may be working. I don't want to you know, go too far ahead on that. Developers might be working on different ways to change that. You know, With Siri, you really don't have an option. It's, hey, Siri. Google is typically OK Google. But you are able to actually go in and change what you want your actual wake word to be with some of these devices like Alexa. That's great. Yeah, I've never... I didn't know that. Now I'm going to check it out after we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun one when I tell people to go look at the history. And they're like, oh my, I didn't realize that. So I have a couple others for you as well. You know, another big one too, I would say, is have voice-free zones in your office or your home. You know, everybody in their day-to-day life is going to have private or sensitive conversations, um, whether it be with a spouse or with a child or with family members or whatever it may be. And I would definitely uh, plan to have a room or a floor or a space where you don't have these devices readily present so that you can have private sensitive conversations and not have that worry. They might accidentally or purposely be recording what you're saying. It's really about finding that balance between convenience and security slash privacy. And another thing too that, that maybe you didn't know about was to check your privacy settings on the device and or platform. So I know for sure with Alexa and Google Assistant, you can actually go into your account and actually set the privacy settings on there. Knowing what your device is going to send back to the mothership is really critical. And being able to control whether it does or does not. You know, a lot of times you'll see uh, when you use most any software, it'll say, Periodically, we would like to send uh, error or other reports back to Microsoft so that we can analyze and make improvements for you. Are you okay with this? And most people just say, yeah, whatever, and they click OK. You know, so depending on what your intended uses and purposes of these devices, well, it's all well and good to help them make better products. You definitely want to balance that and consider the potential of what actually might get sent back to them. And then the last, I guess, two and one I would say is be wary of off-brand devices or devices that are using their own, maybe less known voice services as opposed to some of the larger platforms like Alexa or Google or Siri or things along those lines. Amazon has some very good security policies and skills built in for builders. The device manufacturer used to make sure that they're followed to help ensure security. So you're going to know what you're getting with those types of devices. And to piggyback on that, if you can afford it, pay for it, 
paying for services or products versus getting a free app. If you're getting a free app, most likely you're the product. Most likely they're using your data to make them the company solvent. So you have to pay a couple of bucks to use a service or use an app. It's probably going to mean you're going to get better privacy and more security with that device. Is that the same for apps on the phone as well? Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. I've already learned so much. So if anyone is listening, if you did not know this, as a consumer and you're concerned, I would highly recommend going through that list, going through anything you feel you need to stay more secure. I want to switch gears over to the other side, which is for those that work in the voice world. So whether they're developing skills or working on platforms or maybe agencies that are creating voice experiences for brands, what do they need to be thinking of when it comes to voice skill security, especially in showing the people that they work with that they're keeping everything safe? Yeah. Well, I have five key points here, but I want to say most important of all is data security. It's almost expected nowadays that you're going to be capturing and leveraging some amount or some form of data. And obviously, you should definitely be making sure that your users are aware of what you capture and how you use it and all that other fun stuff. But I think what's even more important than that is the security side of it. What are you doing to secure that data that you're capturing? Now, that's more on the networking and cybersecurity side of things. So I'm not going to dive too deep into it here. It's probably best suited for a different podcast. But securing and encrypting customer data, whether it's voice or just login information or data you use to help with your machine learning or your AI platform, critical. If you could do one thing, that would be the thing that I would definitely tell you to do. So I I guess some five best practices or points that I could give to developers. First off, think practical, but logical. If you have a smart home hub system or device, commands to disarm or unlock should be locked behind some form of a confirmation password or a secondary device. And I know like Alexa does this today. SmartThings does it as well. There's a few others out there that have voice enablement where you everybody's putting automated locks on their doors and their garage doors and stuff like that. And if you say, Alexa, lock the front door, it'll do it. If you say, Alexa, unlock the front door, she'll tell you she can't. And obviously, I think we can see where that, that's going. Pretty obvious reason why you wouldn't want to do that if it's a nice warm summer day and bad guys outside of your window and they say, Alexa, unlock the front door. Now you've got a big problem. There's other ways that you can overcome this as well by having presence devices like a phone or a second step of verification where you say, Alexa, lock the front door. And then a little bubble pops up on your phone that says, would you like to confirm your Alexa command, right? You just hit OK and it'll lock the door for you that way. So rather than unlocking your phone and selecting the app and doing it manually, you can still use some of the convenience of the voice with that one there. I'd also say that uh, voice is all about convenience, but you need to have a balance with that. If it's convenient for the user, it might also be very convenient for the attacker. And the attacker might not always be a bad guy. And I think this is one that I think a lot of people have seen, so I won't dwell on it too long. I know it was talked about a lot when Alexa and Google Assistant first came out, is your kids or your family members, right? You're at home and you say, Alexa, order more diapers. And it goes to Amazon and you've got a pre-written script and it knows exactly what diapers you want and it orders and charges your card. Great. But your eight-year-old just saw that. And now your eight-year-old thinks you have a magic box in your house that you speak to and cool stuff shows up. So they say, Alexa, order Barbie Dreamhouse. 
And, uh, you know, that's not so great because now you have a five foot tall Barbie dream house show up on your doorstep two days later, unbeknownst to you. So again, just uh, making sure that there are additional steps involved in placing orders or spending real world dollars and things along those lines so that people can't just, if they know your wake word, just do things. You know, it's so funny. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people think, oh, the bad guys, but a lot of times it could just be your kid (laughs) that's hearing what you say. And then you're like, wait, why did I spend all this money? How did this happen? (laughs) Surprise. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would also definitely recommend that uh, developers proactively advise and educate their end users. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I am old in the eyes of pop culture. But in 1992, there was a great movie released, at least great in my book, called Sneakers. And it had Dan Aykroyd and a bunch of other famous folks in it. And they had to make sure that uh, this amazing new tech that a bad guy had wasn't that they developed wasn't going to be used for bad things. And I hope you don't mind, Carrie, but I'm going to spoil a 25-year-old movie here. Is that okay? Yes, yes. I have not seen it, but I'll have to go see it. Oh, yeah, you'll, go you'll for have it. to go see it. It's a fun <laughs> one. It's a fun one. So the, the main point in the movie where the good guys get access to the bad guy's building and office is he has a voice command system. And his the way that you access that is, he says, my voice is my passport. Verify me. And what they end up doing is the female protagonist in the movie ends up uh, social engineering a way to go on a date with this guy and uh, records their conversation. And most of those words are commonly spoken in everyday conversation, right? Except for passport. Most people don't say passport regularly. So she slyly says to the guy, I love it when a man says the word passport. Could you say the word passport for me? And of course, you know, this ultimately ends up them getting the password and using it on a, on a recorded tape to be able to gain access to the building. I'm not going to fill in the rest. You can, you can figure it out or go to your local blockbuster if you still have one and rent the movie. But the point is your voice is your password a lot of times. And if you're using voice passwords, it should be a string of words that are not commonly spoken in everyday conversations. Be aware of who's around you when you're using the spoken password features as well, because your speaking it is what they're looking for, right? So use words that aren't commonly used. And the point here is to have you as a developer advise your customers of this. If you're developing an app or device that uses voice passcodes, they use unique, typically non-spoken words in common conversation. And obviously don't speak the, the passphrase when other people are around you because uh, you know, you're ultimately relying on the uniqueness of your voice. And your voice as a password is um, not very secure innately because you use it every day. But you can further protect that by using unique words um, and unique phrases. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a lot of what you're saying just reminds me of like when we do it on our phone or on the computer, that kind of two-step verification. That Mm -hmm. even though we want convenience, we still want to have this piece within voice. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So I I have two more here that I'll, I'll try to get through relatively quickly for you. One of them I think is more and more prevalent these days. And a lot of, especially device manufacturers are doing it. And some states are actually requiring it by law. And that's to enable automatic firmware updates before shipping your product. Requiring the user to change all the default passwords at the time of setup, also key. A lot of users, uh, especially if you're dealing with a consumer market, they just want to get the device set up and use it, 
right? But we all know, the developers out there, we all know that you're making constantly making upgrades to your firmware to either patch security flaws or maybe make something a little more efficient or run better. And if you leave it up to the customer to update the firmware, guess what they're not going to do? They're not, not going to update it. the firmware, right? Yep. yep. So having it done automatically, and obviously you can put a toggle switch in there if they don't want it to automatically update, they can do that. But that goes back to the education piece as well. And something I would highly encourage new developers to start doing, and I wish more people would do this, is allowing you to use multiple different wake words. So it would be great if you could use Alexa as the wake word to turn on music, right? Fairly harmless activity unless you have that one friend over that says crank it up to 100. But having multiple wake words so that you can put more secure functions outside of the reach of the average visitor into your home or into your office, right? So if you have uh, smart lighting or maybe smart HVAC systems or things along those lines, you don't want someone walking in your building saying, Alexa, turn the temperature to 60. That's not going to be fun for anybody. They might think it's funny at the time, but it's not going to be fun for anybody. So if you have multiple wake words, you can have one word that will allow very basic access to voice commands like turn on the music and play this song. Whereas you would need a almost administrator level wake word in order to do control things like HVAC systems or now that you know kitchens are being equipped with smart stoves and smart fridges and things along those lines, you know, having that separate two or three separate words that allow you to an escalated level of privileges within the voice command system, I think is a really great idea. So for any of you developers out there who are listening, uh, you know, if you could integrate that, I think a lot of us would appreciate that. Yes. All these things, the same in voice as a whole. So whether it's a voice dot, a voice Alexa dot, or it's a refrigerator, or it's a hearable, or it's in the car, are these all pretty much the same things? Or is there anything we should be thinking of differently for each way we use voice? For the most part, they're the same. I mean, a lot of home automation pieces today, you're using Alexa, but you're also using a service called If This Then That right? So if I say this, then do that. And it's typically combined with some of the home automation services out there like Wink, or I mentioned before, SmartThings. So Alexa or some of these other voice are the portal to access other non-Alexa things that have someone has developed the ability for them to interact together, typically the manufacturer, right? A lot of these platforms or the portals that you're using to get into using all of these different features and functions are typically the big names that you know of today from Apple and Google and Amazon and guys like that. So for the most part, to answer your question, yes, they are typically same or similar in what you can do and how you can secure the systems. Now, are there any kinds of products or services that you would suggest an agency or a developer or someone to use or invest in when it comes to voice security? I'm going to flash back to uh, one of my earlier comments. Again, probably not a conversation for right now, but network hardening, firewalls, making sure that you are turning on as many security features and functions to protect what we'll say is your secret sauce, right? As a developer... You want to make sure that someone cannot get in and actually get the API or the code for whatever it is you're developing because then they're going to reverse engineer it and figure out how they can exploit it and all that other fun stuff. This truly is your secret sauce. 
you need to do everything in your power to keep it secret. And that includes from people inside the organization as well. You know, a lot of times the stuff that you're developing, don't give everyone access to that data. You know, the accounting department doesn't need access to your code. The receptionist doesn't need access to your code. So making sure that you have your fundamentals down on the networking side of things and having strong firewall best practices in place to keep people from the outside from getting in is definitely huge. If you're using third-party services like AWS, do not skimp on purchasing advanced security features. If you're using virtual networks with them or virtual servers or whatever virtual service you're using on AWS, they offer a whole suite of security features I highly advise. It's worth the money to use it to avoid somebody breaching your system and getting in there and and wreaking havoc. Hire pen testers, test both your company and your product. Hire trusted and vetted independent security auditors to audit your code and look for exploits or bugs. I know we all like to think that we're the best coders in the world, that we never make mistakes. No coder ever says that, by the way. But having someone else look, have fresh eyes looking at what you're trying to develop and be able to give you some feedback is is critical. And, And last but not least, don't rush to market. You really only get one shot at your first impression. So go through these steps and make sure that your service, your product, your software, whatever it is, is fully vetted and ready to go because all it's going to take is one nightly news segment on how your product did X. And whether it's serious or not, the whole of the nation is going to be thinking and talking about it and it's not going to be good. Yeah. And we've met before, Matt. And I think the one thing I've learned a lot from you about security is it is not only like you're talking about firewalls, malware, all of these different things that happen from a cyber network space, but also the people that you work with. So like you were saying, the accountant or the receptionist doesn't need to know the code for the skill. That can be an access point for someone trying to do bad things to get information. So I like that you're talking about both of these issues are equally important. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where do you see the future of voice going, you know, within the next five years? I mean, voice has been around for a few years now. We've already seen it enhance so much. And there are still people that aren't aware of what's going on, but it will definitely increase in the next five years. What is your opinion on it? I honestly think voice is going to, at least initially, over the next five years, voice is going to replace more jobs than robots. You know, 10 years ago, everyone was like, robots are going to take our jobs, blah, 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 right? And I think to a point, you know, for automated assembly and stuff like that, that's been relatively true. But I think we're going to start seeing voice replacing as machine learning and AI integration into voice rapidly excels. I think we're going to see more replacements of of the workforce with voice. Uh, I'll give you some examples. You go to the drive through at your favorite fast food restaurant. Right now, there's a person sitting there actively listening and and taking your order. Easily in the next five years, you're going to get to a point where you're just going to speak into the box and it's going to be an assistant of some sort that will automatically register and recognize and enter your order for you and tell you to pull up. You know, much like they've done on the inside of these restaurants, a lot of these restaurants now you go in and there's touch screens. There's no more cashiers. You're touching what you want, putting in your credit card, paying for it. I think we're going to see a lot of that starting uh, really, really soon here. I also think that um, we're going to see a lot more in customer service as well. Nowadays, you go to a website, every website has a chat bot that pops up and engages with you. And can I help you? Can I direct you? Can I do this? I think you're going to start seeing that transition over into the phone call for service as well. I know you see it today already where, and everyone hates it, you know, say your answer, you know, say yes, if you'd like to do this or speak representative. 
But this technology is only going to advance rapidly over the next five years to a point where I think we're going to get to a point where you're not even going to know you're talking to a computer at times when you call for customer service. Which is exciting and a little scary at the same time, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So where can people learn more about what we talked today or if they want to connect with you and ask questions? Yeah, absolutely. My primary way for people to reach out to me is on LinkedIn where my professional profile is. I'm one of very few Matt Valancourts out there on LinkedIn. So it should be relatively easy to find me. And uh, I, I do have a Twitter account too, Matt V Infosec, but uh, I just have it linked to my LinkedIn profile. It's, it's not actively monitored or communicated through. So LinkedIn is definitely the best place to find me. And I think we could probably put a link in the uh, show notes as well, right? Yes, perfect. Yes, we always link your name to the LinkedIn. So as you're listening, you could go back, click on him, and you'll be able to connect with him there as well. Awesome. So the last question we like to ask on this show to promote voice as a whole, is there a favorite flash briefing voice skill or experience that you are using or enjoying right now? Absolutely. (laughs) This is an oldie, I guess. I'll say oldie, even though the technology isn't really that old, but I still enjoy using good night and good morning for quick lockup of the house and shutting down of all the lights uh, at the end of the night, just to make sure that everything is, is secure and we're good to go. Um, And it's great for the uh, rise and shine experience as well, though uh, I'll throw my another uh, 90s trope out there. I do need to change my morning playlist because at times I do feel like Mr. Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day when I get the same song (laughs) every single morning. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for bringing some insight and light to a topic we are hearing so many questions about, but not always so many answers. So thank you for being here. And uh, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Awesome. Great. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.